0: oh even in my imperfections i can still achieve and that's the whole thing because if we were perfect there'd be nothing left to achieve right so i think the imperfections kind of like throw out a beacon that you need to be working toward and now my, my path like i realized once again i told you i cried those happy tears when i returned from rio i think the seed that was planted in those tears was like yo you need to give it back as much as you're getting it for yourself and as i do that like i find so much fulfillment man
1: Hello everyone and welcome to Your Average Podcast, where we are not average at all. I'm your host, Matt Friel, and I'm excited to bring you today a conversation with a 2016 Olympian, Mr. Olu Olamigoke. Olu not only is a 2016 Olympian, he's an entrepreneur, creator of the Daily Athlete, he's a two-time national Nigerian champion number five triple jumper in Nigerian history, and he's in the top 20 triple jumpers of all of African history. see, Olo, uh, you're an Olympian, you're a coach, you're an entrepreneur, Um, I mean, you've set a little bit of history here, like, what do you not do, man?
0: Oh, man, Uh, I guess there's really, I wear many hats, I wear any hat that I need to wear at the present moment, man, to be honest with you, so guess there's nothing I can't do, nothing I won't do. <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh, I love it. So, I mean, obviously, you know, you've got a lot behind your name in, in terms of track and what you've done there. Um, you know, I know you're, you've told your story out there as well as in terms of what you've done and uh, giving up what could have been a corporate life in your normal nine to five. And um, you decided to pursue your dreams. So what is it that you're doing on a day to day basis now, um, you know, between training and, and everything else? Yeah. So
0: on a day-to-day basis, I wake up, I train early in the morning. Then I lift right after that at a gym. And then I actually am a manager at that gym now. So then I work into the evening and then I get home and I rinse and repeat the next day. And the thing I'm trying to do also at the same time, not trying, but I am doing is working on producing and creating my own content as well. Not thinking or worrying about how it sounds or you know, maybe I should do this later or planning. I'm just kind of like on the ready, fire, aim tip because I have so much that I just feel like I need to put out into the world. And so, um, yeah, man, I'm just writing a lot. I'm recording little videos, doing some editing stuff and whatnot. And, whatnot. and um, yeah, so I stay pretty busy, but I cannot complain. I cannot complain for, for a second.
1: I love it, man. I mean, and that's, you know, as long as I've known you, you you know, that's, that's one thing about you that I've always loved that you, you know, you've always had this drive and, uh, you know, I've always kind of admired what you've been doing in terms of just working hard, getting after it, you know, not giving up being one of the biggest things there. And then, you know, you're just, you know, I don't know if it's optimism or if it's just, you know, that, that you're, you're built kind of like, uh, others where it says, you know, whatever I want to do, I'm going to go do it. You know, I've heard you, you say before that you're going to create your own destiny. And, um, you know, I love that.
0: Yeah, man. Yeah. And I respect respect that, man. I appreciate it because we've known each other for like 10 years now. So it always means a lot to hear that from other people. It kind of goes into my background. You can't, I can't really pinpoint one area as to where all this, where my you know personality began. I don't think anybody can, but both my parents, you know, my parents were very driven, um, just their story. And then, me growing up, the youngest of four, I had to be very tenacious, and then I don't know, just in general, all my childhood experiences kind of like coalesce into me being this very driven adult. So, yeah, I can't complain. I'm I'm really blessed in that regard.
1: Yeah, that's awesome, man. And I I know family's been important to you, and you speak about that a lot too. So yeah, uh, you know that's huge. Uh, just yeah. to make sure, you know, we have a um, you know a center around us to kind of help us. Uh, keep building us up and keep moving us forward and people that care about us, you know, and that's, heck, that's, you know, why, why I started the podcast here, right? It's the whole idea that, you know, you're the average of basically everything you're taking in when it comes to, you know, modern day between technology and the people around us. So that's huge. You know, I, I want to talk a little bit about your experience with the Olympics. So, I mean, obviously 2016, you know, Rio de Janeiro, it was, um, you know, a lot going on, I'm sure. And a lot to take in, Um, and you know, I've seen some of what you've talked about, but I'd love to hear, you know, firsthand, what was it leading up to that? Uh, Just kind of tell me the process of qualifying qualifying for the Nigerian Olympic team.
0: Man, um, that, (laughs) I was just talking to one of my training partners about that earlier. That process is, um, it's, 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 it's interesting to say the least. It's never, never boring. Um, so there's one, so how the Olympics with track and field at the very least works is there's always a standard for every every event, and my trip, mm-hmm. mine, the triple jump, the standard. I jumped further than the standard multiple times, and so I qualified in terms of distance. Now, then, there's the start side of whichever country you compete for always has their own set of sometimes standards, but entry level and qualification, you know, process. And Nigeria, mm-hmm. theirs is very ever really written in stone. You know, you're supposed to just be the best in the country or top three. Or sometimes it just depends on if the people like you, the Federation likes you or not on any given year. Um, But Mm. typically, typically, it's you jump the standard or you perform the standard and then place in the top three at your national championships. And um, I'm a consistent top two placer at my national championships, so that wasn't ever really an issue. But um, to get to the actual Olympic part like that, man... um, I still, I mean, it's almost, I'm, I'm looking forward to Tokyo 2020, Less, like less than two years now, like a year and a half, and I still have to pause to put Rio into words, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's, suffice it to say, it was like, obviously a childhood dream come true, all that, you know, cheesy stuff and whatever, but... um
1: I mean that's real. Like I'm getting goosebumps just hearing you talk about it.
0: Still speechless, man. I still get choked. <laughs> you know, talk. I'll tell you what. Every once in a while, I mean, because you know, train. I'm training for the Tokyo, and every once in a while, I, you know, you get discouraged. And right now, I'm actually, I have, I have a ham. My hamstring has been. I strained. that had a minor strain in my hamstring a little over a month ago in training, and it's just kept nagging. And like, I have to keep reminding myself to trust the process. And so, like last weekend. I had gotten really, really frustrated cause I was in practice and I thought I was making progress and my hamstring got really sore again. And so I was like really pissed, straight up. And so I, <laughs> and so sometimes, I mean, what I usually do, if I'm like down, I'll get on like Facebook and I'll look through my old pictures and I'll just look through my old pictures. Like I have so much support from people who I've known over the years, you, yourself included. And then just seeing like the captions I wrote to myself, even though I shared on social media, I really see my social media just like notes to sell for my future. You know what I mean, and yeah. to look back and see all that shit I went through, and then to now be like, dang, I'm comp- I'm over here whining about a hamstring. It like motivates me to keep going. So yeah, yeah, man. And like, I actually I actually teared up a little bit. I can't even lie. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but yeah, man, Rio was a dream come true. The country is beautiful. Ever since I saw Snoop Dogg and Pharrell, the beautiful video, I was like in seventh grade, and they like were sitting on these steps. They're called the. um, Ah. Lapa, the Ar- Arcos, near the Arcos da Lapa, but there's like this step. I think escalaron I'm butchering names and whatever right now, but um, <laughs> there's this staircase where it's like you know mar or mosaic tile going up, and they're like you know obviously they're sitting there singing whatever. And as soon as I saw that, it was 2002. I, saw, I was like, yo, I gotta go to Brazil. And then fast forward 14 years to Rio 2016, I'm on that staircase with my family snapping pictures. So it's like, yo. This- mm. To be able to, and then the actual Olympic competition itself, to be able to see it. And then, man, I, I could go on and on. I'm like probably rambling at this point, but it, it's a dream come true, man.
1: No, that's that's amazing. You know, and, and I guess while we're talking about that, what what was your favorite moment? Was it that time on the steps where you could just kind of reflect on everything? or?
0: Dude, oh man, my favorite moment um, was actually the day I was leaving. So I don't know I mean I haven't really told this story publicly. If you know me personally, you probably heard it. I don't. But if I, I haven't told it publicly yet, but I guess I might as well now. I'm not. It's all in the past. Um, throughout the Rio, like I got to Rio in the beginning of August, and there was a lot of stress with Nigeria, because there's always drama with that. Um, there's almost always drama. And then I also was on the process of leaving my past job. And we mm. decided to put that process on hold until after I got back from the Olympics for obvious reasons. And so, mm-hmm. like, I competed and the competition didn't go how I wanted it to. But, I mean, I was still blessed to have been there. And then two days before I'm leaving, I found out that I, like, got fired. <laughs> I'm like, oh, oh. that's real. <laughs> okay.
1: Shit.
0: Now, like, I'm like, uh, all right. Well, I get if the thing is I was planning on leaving the job anyway, So I was like, all right, well, at least that got taken care of for me. And I'm a very faithful person. I speak openly of faith, not necessarily just like any specific religion, but just faith in general and the best things coming out. And so mm. I was at Maria, I was like, I, for, for a split second, I was like, man, then I was like, hold up, I'm gonna do, I just competed in the Olympic Games. There ain't nothing I can't do. There's nothing I can't do. And um, Amen. so fast forward, that was the day I, like, I found out I lost my job. And then the next day, um, I was flying home. And as I'm on the bus, you know, something just told me, "Look, yo, you're good. You're good." I don't. I just kind of hear other voices that you're good. Just enjoy, enjoy it. So I get to the airport. My flight's canceled. Oh no, my flight's not canceled. Rather, my flight like they they were delayed, and I had like two connections. I had to connect in Colombia. I had to connect in like I don't know. I had to connect somewhere near Medellin, which is kind of funny. But um, I had to connect in Colombia, and then two other connections, and somehow like my flight, I wasn't able to make the flight. So they put me in a hotel overnight, and then. My flight wasn't for the next day and that next day i got to see the one thing in rio that i had not been able to see throughout the month i was there and it i got to go alone which is, i like being alone so it was great it was mm. um sugarloaf mountain and if you've ever seen pictures of brazil you see like these two mountains one's kind of higher than the next and they're next to each other and they have like cable car between them. it's kind of popular um scenery but if you ever see that that's sugarloaf mountain and i went up there and i had this new phone that samsung had given all the all the athletes. So I'm taking like these really nice crispy pictures and they're like these monkeys, these little marmosets jumping in these trees and all the tourists are feeding the bananas. I didn't feed no monkeys. I was crazy. I wasn't letting things crawl on me. But um, <laughs> <laughs> but just watching that and recording it and then I looked over the beach of Hoka- Copacabana, had someone take a picture of me while I was up there. It's like, as I was up there, something was just like, yo, for lack of better terms, excuse my French, I fucking made it. Like, <laughs> I made yeah, it. a moment where everything just kind of like, I can it's like all in a, in a flash, the past four plus years, really since college when I first really decided to go for this, actually even back to high school when I was voted, like I was voted most likely to go to the Olympics in high school and all those memories just flashed hmm. in my mind in like a split second. And then like, once again, that was the first time where I was like really moved. I didn't cry that time, but then I got home later that, later that week, I got home and I was celebrating with friends and that's when I actually like broke down into happy tears for the first time in my life. Like it was just... Hmm. It was just wrapped up with a bow. I had gone through, and if, like I said, we wouldn't have enough time to talk about the details of what I went through, because it wasn't all, it wasn't all nice and pretty and roses. But at the same time, with all the lows, it all just made sense. It was like a movie. It was literally like a movie had been written. So that's awesome. Yeah, man. That's awesome. Yeah,
1: and you know. You mentioned, you know, uh, June 23rd, 2012, being the day that you just really committed yourself man, you fully. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. yeah. So like, I mean, you said that that was the day. And then for what was it that next year was, it was challenging, right? I mean, oh, you know, you kind of alluded to it, but let's, uh, if you don't mind, let's dig into that a little bit here.
0: That's all right. Yeah, man. June 23rd, 2012. Um, I graduated Actually, technically, I graduated in August 2012, although I walked in May because I just had – all I had to do, I just had to finish up one internship to finish up my degree. So I had Mm – it was June 23rd, short – like that was two weeks after – I think that was two weeks to the day after the NCAA championships where I had gotten – I was All-American again, which was cool, but I was second-team All-American again, and I was like – so I was pissed. I was pissed and I was fired up, but I already committed myself to knowing that, okay, if I'm going to go to the Olympics, I have to compete professionally. At the same time, I wanted to do that for years, but it was something about, you know, every once in a while, and I don't know if I'm isolated to me or if it's just an athlete thing or if it's everybody, but every once in a while, I'll just think, and I'll watch the people around me who are close to me. I don't really care. I don't compare myself too much, but it's people who are close to me who are doing big things that really inspire me. And you know Derek Druin, right? Um, yeah so he had like yeah, I mean, bronze
1: medalist now he's a gold medalist now
0: exactly so he had like and that's like kind of spoiler alert to the story but like he had broken his ankle in like the year before and in 2012 he like I, don't, I think he won outdoors 2012 and i'm just like yo this dude really just did that so i'm back at home i'm about to start this internship and i'm just like no i'm i'm going i'm going i'm going not even i'm just going i'm going to be there and i set my mind to it i'm a very very hard-headed person and I just learned over the years how to apply that in a good way and so um I remember I'll never forget so June 23rd 2012 I wrote a note in my phone and I wrote under the note I'd written what it was I wrote like unlimited progression I wrote the things I wanted to accomplish I wrote unlimited progression in my event compete in my for my country in world and olympic championships and I forgot, and become something else, make the Olympic team or something like that, right? And I intentionally wrote it as compete for my country because at the time, I thought I was going to compete for the U.S. Nigeria wasn't even a thought in my mind to compete for them or for my own country. And then um, lo and behold, <laughs> look where I'm at. And uh, like July, like yeah. July or maybe August, where Derek had actually won the bronze medal. And I was watching that while I was at my internship at Verizon Wireless at one of their headquarters managing the corporate facility or corporate wellness facility. And I'm like, yeah, this is what I want to be doing as far as my career. But, like, I'm watching my teammate, my college teammate who last year had an ankle that was shattered, won a bronze medal at the Olympic Games. So, like, at Mm. that moment, at that moment, luckily my boss was cool because I wasn't doing any work. I was just sitting there live streaming it. At that (laughs) moment, I ran around the gym. I was like, oh, my God, yeah. And then so I – um. I'll never forget. I mean, I still have it. I went to Word or I went on Google and I they had just released, recently released the um, Rio 2016 logo. And I printed that I copied that and copied that off of Google, put it in a Word document, and put underneath it Olu Alami Goke Jr. Mm. And so I printed like seven or eight copies of those things. I laminated them and I left one in my car. I left like two around my just around my house. I kept one in my wallet. I just had them all over the place where I would always just randomly come across these these um these little laminated cards that said real Olympics, Rio 2016, Oluwalemi Goke under it. And Hell yeah, dude. The day that I like fast forward, that was 2012. Fast forward like actually four almost wow, it might have been four years to the day, honestly, which is kind of crazy. Um, where I first picked up my real Olympic credential, I was in Nigeria for the championships. They gave us our stuff there. And as I picked up that credential and I had my name on it. I w- opened up my wall and I printed picked up that little piece of paper that I had printed with, you know, with my intention on it. And I just looked at the two of them. I was like, yo, this stuff, this shit really works. <laughs> 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 you can't tell me nothing, man. So yeah. Hell yeah.
1: Yeah, man. Speak it in reality. I love that. You know, I mean
0: it's follow it up with the act.
1: Massive action Yeah. Yeah, man. So I mean, I guess kind of jumping forward you know i was i wrote a number down and i'm wondering you i'm sure that you know this number by heart uh, cuz i have a feeling this is going to be one of your goals here uh coming up but 17.37
0: mm, yeah you know what <laughs> i have a number that's way beyond that because 17.37 <laughs> <laughs> 17. meters is the biggest number or the biggest number the furthest jump was the african record in the triple jump and there's actually a guy i had i'm a very um since we're on the topic, I'm a very, I'm a, I see myself as a visionary. Like I literally, I've always been like this since I was a kid. My imagination is huge. So I, you know, when I see things and themes in my life that come up, I just kind of like deduce almost like in an alchemical way, what I'm supposed to be doing. And so I have a number in my head that I'm not going to actually speak out loud right now, just for, um, just because I want to bring it out. And then I say, I told y'all. So, um, but (laughs) There's another number, and there's a guy who actually jumped further than that. He jumped 1758 indoors this year. So that's technically the furthest jump of all Africans ever. Although that's okay. indoors. But I plan on obliterating both of those. So um yeah. All right. 1737. I know that number. And matter of fact, seven, this podcast has just gone on for 17 minutes and 37 seconds as I said that. But um <laughs> Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah,
1: that's crazy stuff. Yeah. Gosh. So like I guess while we're talking about um, you know, your journey and track and everything, where did this start? I mean, did you start out, you know, in track and, and triple jump when you were young or, you know, cause you talk about Derek, you know, uh, your former roommate, he learned high jump in kindergarten, you know? So did you start in track when you were young or when did this kick off for you?
0: Um, no, actually my track and field, I didn't officially start till seventh grade, but I really count my, so like I started, that was 2003. But as far as actually taking it seriously and not just going through the emotions, that didn't start until 2005. And um, it's interesting you mentioned about people starting young. I was the young, being the youngest of four, my parents were always really busy. So I didn't even actually go to Nigeria as a child. And and I didn't ever really play organized sports until sixth grade where I played soccer. But I always wanted to. So I always call myself, like I joke around and say, I didn't play any sports as a kid, but I was a backyard sports All-American. Like I would be really (laughs) outside. I'd be racing kids for ice cream money, and I never lost. Um, (laughs) We would just be playing football, basketball, whatever. We'd make up our own. I was always running, jumping, and doing crazy stuff outside. I remember I actually had a childhood friend named Paul, and I wanted to do anything he did. He played t-ball and basketball. I was like, "Mom, I want to play t-ball. Mom, I want to play basketball. Mom, I want to tap dance. I would just say, like, whatever. Whatever (laughs) Paul did. But um, essentially, I was always running, jumping, climbing trees, and bounding around. So... When I started triple jumping in seventh grade, it was kind of natural, although I wasn't any good at it. I hated it. Actually, it was my least favorite event. And um, I actually loved running the 400. Not because mm. I was good at it, but because, I mean, I was fast. Like I said, I was fast as a kid, but I didn't have any technique. I used to run with the most horrible backside mechanics, basically running like my feet were kicking the back of my head. And like I would run, jog for 300 meters and sprint the last 100 and think I was doing a great job And for, in the 400. I did that. Seventh grade. Eighth grade, I didn't even bother touching the triple jump. Ninth grade, I didn't touch the triple jump. And then 10th grade came around with my high school coach, Coach Davis. And um, how that all happened was one of my – actually, I played football, didn't get any PT, wanted to not play any sports until spring track. My, one of my best friends who actually was with me from the first day I started in eighth grade and then actually with me in Rio, he was like, yo, quit being a pump. We're playing – we're running indoor track. I'm like, all right, I yeah, got and I was gonna jump, but I remember it was too cold. They were doing like the little jump. It wasn't a tryout, but see who could jump. And I was like, ah, nah, it's too cold for me. So I went <laughs> again, and that's when I really started loving the 400. And then I got to outdoor track. I was like, okay, now I'm gonna try this jumping thing. And I remember the first, how it always happens. I think every high school probably does it the same. They say, all right, everybody who thinks they can jump, come over here. And like 12 kids walked over. You had the handful of jumpers who were ready jumping. And so they like said, okay, this. I want you guys to long jump, do a long jump, and do a triple jump so they can see who could actually do it. And I remember, you know, Cedric, Cedric, yeah. was out there. and Cedric, boom, he boomed. He was one of the long jumpers. So, of course, he did it real, he jumped real far. A couple, and then I think it was like one other kid. And then I went out there, I never long, I had not long jump since middle school or triple jump since seventh grade. So it had been three years. And then I did it and like, yo, you haven't been jumping for years? Have? I'm like, no, I, this is my second time, third time doing this. Like, oh, you're a jumper now like, all right, cool. (laughs) So, but the thing is I always, even then I still had always been doing five events every meet. I do 400, four by four, 300 hurdles, 200, four by one, anything they put me in. And then the long and triple jump would just kind of be added on to the side. So my first year triple jumping, I thought jumped like 34 feet and I got beat by girls. I'll never forget that. And then (laughs) fast forward, I jumped like 44 feet that same year, like about two months later. And that took me to state championships. And I got like fifth in the region and whatnot. So I was like, oh, I can do this. And that's So wait, like, hold on. Hold yeah. on.
1: You you hadn't jumped in years. Like this was one of the first times essentially you'd really done it. And that same year you went to state finals.
0: Yeah, man. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> what?
0: <laughs> yeah, I know. It's kind of crazy. But that's kinda it, it kind of speaks to how I how I've always been. Remember I said I'm hard at it. So like my high school coach, he's one of the still to this day. He's one of my greatest mentors. In fact, there's more about mm. that when later. But um to this day, Coach Davis is still one of my greatest mentors. So he was like, yo, he, he always said, You could be pretty good. You could be pretty good. You got natural ability. If you just apply yourself, you can be pretty good. And so I was like, All right, well, cool. So that after you said that, that was right around when YouTube came out. So
1: mm.
0: now I not only have I just rediscovered the triple jump, which I used to hate the last time I did it, but now I have this <laughs> this resource where i could just look up the professionals oh oh shit i'm all about it so i dove in and then i would try to just i didn't know what i was doing and coach davis is a really brilliant coach but he was he's mainly a distance coach so he would just kind of like give me drills that he used to have you know do have his athletes do back in the day too so with the combination of that in those two months i like picked it up really really quickly and then um obviously made it to states and then um over that summer That summer going to my junior year, now I'm like, okay, well, I love this event, even though I'm still doing four or five other ones at a time. And so over the summer, Coach Davis had us running cross country so we can get more fit, me and Cedric. That's how Cedric and I are actually best friends because we've trained together for so long. Um, Mm. But so we had us running cross country. We were doing bounds, uphills, running 5Ks, pulling sleds. I never touched a weight. I never touched a single weight plate in training in high school but I made so much progress just because we were so drilling the like the stuff that, you know, people, when they want to get good at something, they say, okay, I want to be a great basketball player. Let me go shoot a hundred shots or thousand shots a day. And that's good. But if you want to be a great basketball player, you also need to have a, be conditioned. You also need to be able to do other things. You know, you need to be able to do other events and somehow bring in the parallels into your sport. And that's what I did with triple jump. And so the next year Shoot, like six months after jumping 44 feet, I jumped 48 feet and was ranked like in the top seven in the country. And then the next, like six months after that, in the outdoor season, I got like second in states. And I mean, the rest is kind of history from there. But I always, I was never the biggest guy on the field. I never, I probably, never will be. I don't. I mean, I think I'm talented, but only as far as the fact that I work so freaking hard. Um. So yeah, I mean, that's really it. I think that's the point. Like, you don't have to be a physical specimen to get where you want to go. I just have this brain power where it's like, okay, where I may, I don't think I lack. I think I'm perfectly how, built however I am. But where other people I compete against are taller, stronger, maybe faster, I have this unbreakable, unshakable foundation of work ethic that no, you hear it a lot, nobody can outwork me. But I also, no one can work smarter than me. I think that's the main thing. Yeah. I, I work my ass off because that's just in my blood. But on yeah. the other hand, I learned through high school that working my mind, or not even working my but applying my mind is what really got me ahead. And like, I, so even to the point that that's the same way, like that's evolved into my coaching style when I'm coaching athletes, and it's evolved into like my entrepreneurial endeavors. Like I immerse myself in something, I fail hard at that something, I take a step back from that something I learn from it. And then I come back and I just rip it, rip it up. That's just it's just a, a recurring theme in my life.
1: Yeah, no, I, I mean, I love that. And that, you know, you hear that a lot when people talk about really being successful, it, it comes down to just really working harder than um, anybody else is willing to work. Right. I mean, you have get that mm-hmm. that uh, quote, you know, that there's no uh, there's no traffic on the extra mile you know, stuff like that, that I know you hear that all the time. And I heard something the other day that I think really stuck out to me. So I kind of want to hear your uh, take on this because obviously, you know, you're at the, uh, the, the level above, you know, where most people get to. And they said that the difference between great and the best is the ability to be bored and work through that boredom. Like Mm. just that, that monotony of that everyday grind. Right. I mean, I don't think anybody's above that being um that situation.
0: You're right. I, I mean, I've never heard that quote, but now I might have to write it down. Um, yeah, man. And then that's exactly it, dude, because anybody can be do something something really well once, but mm-hmm. it's consistency. Like it's just how human I'm also kind of a bit of a nerd. So we you and I took the same classes in college with kinesiology and whatnot. So I think you you probably understand how important it is that. You know, repetition. Like you're not going to learn how to walk by as a baby by walking one day and then all of a sudden you're a pro. You got to get up, fall, get up, fall until you do it regularly. And um, yeah, I agree with that because man, I've I've been applying it in my daily life every day, which kind of the point of the daily athlete. Same as plug, but um, <laughs> to work through the the working through the monotony, and actually to the point that now I'm like I'm at this point in my life where. I apply my mind so fervently that I'm able to like almost extract newness out of every situation, mm. you know I mean? and that's where like my first my first Olympic journey to Rio was about like kind of training my body. I needed to get stronger. I needed to get faster. I needed to get more fit. But now it's like, how do I? Even though I'm going through the same things, technically I'm just training every day. I'm recovering every day. The difference is now I apply my mind to like the minutia of my day. To like, and some people might say it's over analytical, but I don't really think of it like that because I feel like there's already gonna be a thousand things running through your mind at any point in time. That's just how humans are. I just like to pay attention to those things so I'm not getting caught off guard by my thoughts. And then, so when I can actually like direct my attention, then I can learn something, gain new insight in the smallest detail of my day. And then I write it
1: yeah <laughs> yeah no that's huge i mean because when when you do something over and over again it starts to eventually slow down i mean you know even like you know my experience in in college you know with cheerleading and when we would do stunts over and over it wasn't until you did it over and over and over and over again until finally you started seeing everything and and you were able to to make minor adjustments instead of just being worried about the overall whole, you were able to focus on the little pieces. And that's really what made you better. Um, right. So you saying that, that really clicks out. So you said you write those things down too.
0: Oh, yeah. 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 I write, I write a lot, actually. In fact, I write in my journal every single day. Um, And the thing is, that's kind of like I write it down. And then I, my thing is, as I mentioned, I alluded to YouTube earlier, where I was like 2005, it just came out and I was using it to learn how to triple jump. Now it's like YouTube is this obviously this huge monster, this behemoth, and I'm like, wait a second. I was that youth athlete who was trying to learn from the pros. Now I have youth athletes coming to me to ask me how to learn. So my thing is like, if I if I gain some insight in my daily life, like I talked about, I share it, and yeah. that, I feel like that's the only way to, or not the only way, but I think that's the best way to you know give back the gift. It's all about keeping the cycle going, man, and um. When you, it's something that happens when you achieve a lifelong long dream, and this is gonna sound real cheesy. But, um, <laughs> if you achieve a lifelong dream like I have, obviously there are more dreams that become my next thing that I'm just as big or even bigger than the first one, right? But a new avenue of self of like achievement, self achievement comes in, and that for me that avenue, and I've heard about it in a lot of people I've talked to who are also very successful it's giving back and it's once again, it mm. sounds easy, but like, dude, man, when I hear people say, yo, Olu, I didn't think you like, like I, I used to struggle with eating Krispy Kreme donuts, man. Like, and when I tell that story to people, they're like, really you? I'm like, yeah, like I'm human too. That helps people realize that, oh, even in my imperfections, I can still achieve. And that's the whole thing. Cause if we were perfect, there'd be nothing left to achieve. Right. So right. I think the imperfections kind of like throw out, a beacon that you need to be working toward. And on my my path, like I realized, once again, I told you, that I cried those happy tears when I returned from Rio. I think the seed that was planted in those tears was like, yo, you need to give it back as much as you're getting it for yourself. And as I do that, like I find so much fulfillment, man. It's almost yeah. selfish.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, that's amazing. And that's, that's something that, you know, I've noticed from just my ability to um, be able to to coach. And it's not really ability, it's just the just being lucky enough to have been able to coach uh, yeah. other athletes. And I think, you know, you talking about that kind of gets me all like excited about it again, because that uh, being able to give back to others what you've done, you know, it, it does have this sense of accomplishment and it makes you, um, you know, it, it helps. It helps getting through those things, too, knowing that somebody else is uh, going to be able to do something uh, from what you're yeah, helping man. them with.
0: Yeah, man. And it's the whole it's once again, it's like it goes back to like the whole universalist ideals not even ideals but it's like just the idea that there's a universe bigger than you so if you can align your intentions like your attention your intention to a bigger cause than you your own ambitions automatically get filled that box automatically gets checked but when you do something that's like all about you and yourself sure it feels good when you achieve it but like that's all you achieve if i align my ideas with like something okay i need to do something that's leaving behind a legacy for the people who are like me or people who just may come across me then but it just so happens that the laws of nature somehow always make my own the thing my own ambitions or my own um my own goals come through and better than i could have even imagined you know what i mean
1: yeah yeah and i know there's there's yeah. a, a book by a guy that um, I can't and I can't remember his name right now for the life of me, um, but he survived the Holocaust. And there's mm-hmm. a quote he has in there. It's um, basically about you know, man's search for happiness. And um, he says yeah. that, you know, self-actualization, so reaching your fullest potential is not actually possible. And without self-transcendence and, and understanding, essentially that you're uh, part of something bigger. And once you yeah. aim for that bigger, that's when you really come into everything that you are and, and all of your ability.
0: Absolutely, man. And it's called Man's Search for Meaning." I know exactly. What yes. You're talking about. I, think, yep. I need. I need to read it. It's by Victor Victor Frankl. But, yeah. Um, yeah, man. I need that. That's exactly it, dude. Because you're not. The whole idea is that if it's a universe, it's only. I'm gonna get really heady real quick, but if it's a universe, it means there's only one, right? That's the whole Latin root of "uni," one, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, if that means there's only one, that means to think that I am separate from that universe is it's it doesn't it's a paradoxical, it can't happen. You you're automatically a part of the one. So that means if my what I think is my my goals of being separate are really truly aligned with that one, that my goals are automatically going to be accomplished. You see what I mean? Yeah. That sounds kind of crazy, but. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you like if you're a part of the idea that you know or if you subscribe to the idea that if i try to do something greater for something greater than my own self obviously myself was going to be included in that process so
1: yeah no i mean it's massive it really is and that's that's kind of where i wanted to go next you know with you you're really honing in on trusting the process right now right you 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 said that a lot you know and that's something that i've noticed too from just what I've done, um, in my professional life so far is, you know, I've been to a point where I have been very blessed to make uh, very good money for, um, our age. And, you know, I, yeah. I, bought a house, I I've owned a really nice vehicles. And then I sit back, shoot. It was probably, uh, what was it? It was the end of, uh, 2016. I sat back on my couch. Uh, I think it was like early December, um, and i looked around and i was sitting in my house all alone and i'm like what's going on like i have a nice house a beautiful truck like i have all this money and i'm i feel like i'm all alone like i've pushed away family and friends because i want to try to kick this this career off and i want to be so successful and that i think that was the point that i realized that it's not about the things or reaching the goal and that I shouldn't root my identity in a goal, but rather my goal should come from who I am and and right. um, you know where I want to go with this life and this and the legacy I want to leave.
0: That's exactly it, man. That's exactly it, dude. It's like it, it's so once again, it's so cheesy. All these cliches, man. Um, they're only cliché because they're true, right? And otherwise, people wouldn't label them as cliches. Like the whole idea that um, you know success isn't measured by your money. You know what I'm saying? like Things like that, they're so true. And you, you, as you said, you probably just experienced that in your own life, man. So when you start, I think that's one thing that, like my whole thing is, I like inspiring people. I like the idea of that. I guess my ego gets some type of gratification out of it. But truthfully, my thing is like, okay, at the end of the day, all these adults, all these old people, they're going to die off, right? All the people who we say are running the world and running the world into the ground, they're all going to die, right? That's just part of it who's going right. to be left right <laughs> and <laughs> who's going to be left are going to be those kids so like my whole thing is like i want to be i'm not perfect i am no saint but i want to be at least at least some type of livable example or at least i want to have some livable examples of my work that can inspire kids to be like oh i can be myself and also be a good human being for the, you know the rest of the world like it does it's not independent of each other
1: yeah yeah. No, that's huge. You know, and that, I guess on that note, you know, what is it that for you every day that, that gets you out of bed and and what's driving you and, and how do you actually attack each day?
0: Right now um, that, that shifts throughout my life. Um, but I mean, there are some things that are always there, you know, family, love of showing love to my family and my friends. I pray about it every day. Um, every day before I, when I wake up, I say, thank you God for this glorious day and all that it holds in store for me, and I truly believe that. Um, so, But right now it's like where I'm directly focusing my attention is obviously Tokyo 2020 and bringing out those dreams to life. And I actually have one of my intentions written on like my, my, uh, my board in my room, where every day I look, I get up and I look at that board and it's just like, okay, every, and I wrote a note for myself, every action that I take in this day will align with my Olympic intentions so that mm-hmm. everything I do that I can, it, it just, it's not to say that I'm going to look at that thing and then all of a sudden everything's going to be great. I might look at that note and then all of a sudden go down, go downstairs and feel really shitty about something and eat a whole pack of cookies. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> just for a random example, but even in the, even in those actions that seem like they're the opposite of where I want to be heading, I learn from that. You see what I mean? Yeah. Um, so it's like every action I take is aligned with my Olympic intentions, even if it doesn't seem like it. Like, for example, trusting the process, this hamstring, the reason why I'm harping trust the process so much is because I have to speak outwardly the things that I need to remind myself of. Right. And yeah. so with this whole hamstring, like this is mid March, late March, I was supposed to be starting to compete in a few weeks in April. That's going to have to be pushed back possibly into May. And like, I just have to keep telling myself, trust the process, trust the process, because I can very easily let my mind go out of control and start w- wiling out and be like, oh, that's all, everything's going to end. Oh, my God, the world's crashed, the world's ending. But no, like, <laughs> trust the process, trust the process, trust the process. And then, once again, as I remind myself that, I realized, yes, even in this hamstring being bummed, it still aligns with my Olympic intentions. So, I mean, at the end of the day, it's like, you can, it's like, at that, it's like, what, what the approach is basically get it or die trying, right? And um, yeah. any day, any day is as good as as good as another, as they say. To die if you're actually living to for uh, in line with your dreams and your goals. So, yeah,
1: that's man. powerful. That's huge, man. Yeah. No, yeah, man. I love that. You know, and, and that I guess <laughs> that takes it to another level. Even I mean, because for you, it sounds like it's all about these just. These little things over and over, and make sure you're pulling something away from it. Um, mm-hmm. And that is what is really making the difference for you uh, right yeah. now and, and making it worth it.
0: For sure, man. That's absolutely it. That's absolutely it. And no I, I think it's because, I mean, no successful journey is like easy, right? So when I was younger, I used to focus more on the outcome. Like I was more focused on the outcome. My first Olympic experience, I was kind of more focused on the outcome of just getting there. And then now it's like I'm learning to enjoy every step of the process as cheesy mm. as that sounds. But I mean, because now when you enjoy the process, it's like every day is a movie.
1: <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. So now I mean, looking back again, you know, just on on where you've come, you know, I guess, at one point, you, you've you shared in your story of kind of how you you were almost flat broke at one point, right? Like, you're living with your brother, I mean, you walked away from a potential job with Apple, like, and, I mean, that's like a dream job, right in the in the personal training world. What was that like for you and, and what was the most challenging part of that? And how did you get through that?
0: Man, that's a good one. Um, it's like a dream job for someone else. It wasn't my line with my dream.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, I'll tell you what. It, I went into that knowing that because um, this was 2012 right after I graduated from school. And my whole thing is like I, I'm always more than an athlete. So I want to build my career off the track. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I took the internship, even though it was my second one, I had already graduated. I took it because I was like, you know what? Um, It's going to be good work experience and it's going to be at Apple, at Apple's headquarters. Like who wouldn't want to go there? But I went into it knowing that it was from September to December, 2012. I went into that in knowing that, okay, at the end of this, I'm going back home. I'm going to train for the Olympics. It was, there was no question in my mind about it. Mm. And of course, when you're at Apple, and everybody who's there, I still have some of my best friends to this day, or some of the people I met there. Everybody was great, you know. But I still, it's like when you met, it's Apple. So I, when I'm like, oh, they're like, what are your plans? You know, whatever, whatever. I'm like, oh, I'm going to train for the Olympics, and people are just kind of like, uh huh, right. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so towards the end of the Olympics ex- or the internship experience, it was like, you know, we had the op- we have some positions coming up in like Shanghai or wherever it was. And I was like, I don't really. I interviewed for one just because I was there, but I didn't even. I remember I should, probably shouldn't even interview because I did not give my best effort in the interview. I just kind of was like, eh, blase about it. Yeah. Because I knew that in two weeks I'm going back home I'm starting to train for the Olympics. So the hardest part was really my parents. Um, I come from a traditional Nigerian household of Yoruba parents, which means that's not to say my parents, even then, are very, very, very progressive. I love them. I love it. I love that about them. But even then, they're still like, yo, my, my dad's like, all right, you should probably go towards being a doctor. And I wanted to be a doctor when I was a kid, but I also wanted to do so many other things. And I think he was kind of trying to steer me in that route. My mom was like, um, the mom has always been, hey, if it makes you happy, go do it. But you need to be bringing in some money. <laughs> and um, <laughs> so the one job, the one almost, you know, it wasn't necessarily, it wasn't exactly um, a set in stone job offer, but the one like real possibility I had. I just threw that away, but that's because I thought it, was, it, it didn't align with where I wanted to go. I wouldn't be working 40 hours a week. So the hardest part was definitely like convincing my parents. And then with my resume, I noticed that um, it was actually harder to get a job than I would have thought. And I don't know if it's because my resume was so diverse or so strong or so like whatever, but um, it was hard for me to get a job. So I didn't have a job when I went back to DC from until like May of 2013. And um, then I started personal training and mm. it all ended up working out, but it was just like, I I was flat broke, bro. It was bad. <laughs> and that's, a, it's interestingly enough, because like I used to, I was very resentful of it. But at the, after a while, I realized, you know, once again, it's all part of the story. So clearly I'm supposed to work through this part because if I work through, now, now as I'm older, I realized that was because I needed to learn more about financial responsibility. But mm. on the other side of it is at the time I was supposed to go through that so I could learn about financial responsibility. And, you know, I realized the way I, I always I kind of take a detached um, perspective is like when things suck, it's just another detail in my story that makes it juicier. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, that's huge. I mean, it, you know, because that's the only way to really to keep pushing forward. I think when things are difficult, you know, it, it's, it's just helping to tell yourself you know, look, I am building this story, and it's again going back to that trusting the process.
0: Mm, it's always coming up, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> oh,
1: oh man, man. It's
0: so man, so, just- uh,
1: so you you mentioned that um, you know you want to read that um, what Man Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. It, are you reading a book right now, or or is there a book that that really has stood out to you um, just, that's kind of helped mm-hmm. you through? the process
0: man it's funny you say that i usually am like a voracious reader but um i actually haven't read a book a single book well i've been listening to a lot of audiobooks, but i haven't like picked up a single book to read um this year, new year yet because i'm just kind of building my list mm-hmm. um but recently uh i always read the alchemist it's my favorite book of all time um i only picked it up after i came back from rio and huh. have you heard of it by paulo cuello
1: I have heard of it. I haven't read it, but I've heard of it. Okay.
0: So that book, a lot of people read that book kind of cynically. Other people look at it kind of as I do. Um, it's very metaphorical, but it's kind of like my approach. I read the book and I kind of saw my own life in that book because mm. I really I've gone through a lot of stuff. My family's gone through a lot of stuff. We've got. I've just in my life, I've gone through a lot of challenges, completely unrelated to sport, and to continue to be find myself in places where I had only dreamed of being. It's like yo alchemy must be a real thing. So that book is one. Um, I read that probably like once or probably about twice a year. Um, most recently I finished in, um, December I read the power of now by Eckhart Tolle. Um, I don't don't know if that one's also very, that's a poignant one because I had just moved to Atlanta in November and, um, Just with not having my footing yet, didn't have a job. I didn't have, well, I didn't have a primary source of income. I didn't have like, you know, I just moved knowing that I was gonna start training with a new group. It was just a dive straight into like unknown uncertainty, and I could find my mind really. I was getting really anxious. My mind would like dart to the future, like what? It's November. I don't have a job. The competition season is gonna start like in March, April. I don't know what's. I'd find myself freaking the F out. So (laughs) reading that book was really good to help me like kind of ground myself. Um, that's a good, definitely a book I read, recommend to anybody reads. Yeah. Um, And then there's another book I actually, I'm sorry.
1: No, go, go ahead. What was the other book, man?
0: Yeah. There's another audio book I read or listened to. It was actually called, it's called, um, conversations with God, that book. Now that that's a whole nother, that's way out there, but, um, it's another, it's just a book about, you know, trusting at the end of the day, the book is, it's a dialogue, but the book is really about trusting yourself. Hmm. And I think the timing of that book coming into my life, like if I, if someone would have mentioned that book to me a year ago, I'd be like, I'm not reading that. I'm not listening to that. Get it out of my face. But just the timing of when it came into my life and I had w- just jumped into uncertainty, I had nothing. When you jump into an uncertain, you know, position, you'd make a big step. You kind of have nothing to latch onto. Right. Right. So, uh, I guess i was really open to the ideas in that book and um it just really echoed a lot of parallels in my own life so yeah
1: yeah no that's between what you're bringing up there and what we've been talking about the the theme that keeps coming to me right now is just this idea of finding yourself in the current moment and and really just completely diving into where you are right at that time and yeah. truly enjoying life and taking as much as you can out of it. Like that's yeah. just what is so prominent right now in my head as we're going through this conversation. And, and as you're bringing these different things up, it seems like it keeps coming back to that.
0: Yeah, man. And that's what it is. Like, I find that things, things always repeat themselves for me. I've noticed it's like whether it's in sport or in life, or I could be playing a video game with my friends, it doesn't really matter. Themes continually repeat themselves and the same thing for me is that hey you got to dive in you've got to dive in cuz you can dip your toes in the pool all day but you're not going to you're not going to learn how to swim so you just got to dive in and then trust just trust that on the other side of it it's all going to make sense and then mm-hmm. as i continue to make these bigger and bigger leaps i get more and more confident in my ability to jump into further uncertainty you know what i mean yeah and so i think that i think that's just really what, how it is um I look back on my life and it's just like I'm only twenty eight, but I feel like I've lived like a thousand past lives of experience where it's like, dang, I can really look back at any aspect of my what I've gone through and I really just always trusted. I don't know like I said, I can't really pinpoint exactly where that came from, but um yeah, man, I just always trust the process, dude.
1: <laughs> I mean that's huge and that's that's honestly it's a that's a big uh lesson that I think You know a lot of people our age and and younger and probably even really everyone needs to to learn and latch on to especially with the way that technology is today because you know you can get so so caught up in in the world of instagram or youtube and and seeing these people that have all these material things and and feeling like you've got to reach for those things and you know that for me that keeps going back to my story where you know i was trying to reach for things and then i on myself just feeling empty and alone and you know right. I, I think that's we're so caught up in in what this image is that we want to project rather than who we are and and what we're what we're doing at the moment and just being confident in that and I think that's really something to 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 be said for I mean we have to focus on that
0: yeah man absolutely it's just like it you mentioned Instagram like I'm not, I'm not, I'm a human. I am not immune from that myself. Like every once in a while, I just go blank on social media or like don't even talk to anybody because like, once again, if you don't know who you are, you can be, you can think that you're anyone. And it's when you're, the, the disconnect between who you think you are and who you actually are truthfully is where people find themselves in anxiety and stressed out and, you know, as, as dark as those times can get.
1: Well, and you just posted about that with the Daily Athlete. You know, I, I was actually I was getting ready the other day and I watched that where you're you're talking about silencing the inner critic. I mean Yeah, man. You can sit there and listen to yourself talk yourself out of something or or tell yourself you're not worthy of something over and over and over and eventually you're going to believe it unless you just dive in and, and really trust who you are and what you're going into.
0: And just yeah, do it. Man. Just do it. Just do it. And that's absolutely it. Because I mean, the thing is like, it's all about, I try to look at it as much as I look at things like from a, you know, a spiritual perspective. I also realize, you know, there's just biology behind it. The mm. brain is rational or there's, you have the right brain and the left brain, right? Right. Inside of it is going to be more rational. You're going to try to think yourself out of a box. But if you're inside of a box, there's no amount of thinking you can do. You're going to have to lift your arms up and get out of the box. You know what I mean? And yeah. then once you finally take that move out, then your thinking starts to change. So, if, if you're like, sometimes I have to like will myself to do something physically if it's a hard workout. Other times I gotta physically will my mind to think differently. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's the whole thing about silencing that critic.
1: Oh, yeah, that's massive. So, on that note, you know, as you're looking into, you know, the start of the 2019 season for you um, in competition and not really knowing where that is going to start and, and then further out, you know, Tokyo in 2020, you know, where is your head at right now? Like what, obviously you're focused on getting to Tokyo, but you know, what are your, what are you mentally telling yourself? And and what are some of those intentional things that you're going through every day, other than just trusting that process? What is the process you're focusing on?
0: Man, right now um, it's a good thing you asked that right now. It's, um, Continually, continuing to create mm. like I'm a very creative person and I've always been since I was a kid and it was about the time where something happened within in my childhood that happened like my sister passed and then from that point even up to like really recently in my late 20s where I finally like realized I had been repressing all the inner creativity I'd once shared with my sister and so mm. it's like when I realized that I was like oh man I need to get back in touch with that side of me. So really it's just creating, whether I'm drawing, um, whether I'm playing guitar. Um, I just got to have so much creative energy. I have to get it out right now. I'm direct. So on my back of my phone is like one little reminder. It says F creating actually actual word F creating keep or F waiting, keep creating. Mm. And um, and that's it. Like just continue creating, whether it's posts for the Daily Athlete, whether it's writing articles and posting it to dailyathlete.com. Um, which will be live soon enough. Um, whether it's, you know, I just got access to Adobe's Creative Suite. Yeah. And um, whether it's dabbling in video production and editing, all of that, just keep putting something out in a creative fashion. And then though that action leads to new possibilities. But if once again, if I keep myself in a box and keep thinking, I won't progress. So that's what I'm focusing on right now
1: that's huge you know and, and I think that's something that I don't know I expected you to say and I don't think anybody really would as you know as you're looking at the biggest stage in track and field you'd think that you know you're focused on something that has to do with you know how far you're going to jump or or something with the mechanics and the technical side of that but instead you're you're focusing on something that that helps you re- like just release and be happy being who you are and it, it it sounds like it gives you energy
0: dude it does it does bro it's so crazy like how can how can opening up Adobe After Effects and making a simple project that I found on YouTube of like a title opener make me feel so motivated for practice? I don't know. It just does.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: so it's really like it's to have to have something that you're looking forward to getting good at. That's not your main thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Got to be more than an athlete. At the end of the day, I love being an athlete. I love it. It's a huge portion of my life. But at no point in time in my life have I ever thought I was only an athlete. Hmm. So as much as this is like the main focus of my life right now, and in my autobiography from when I'm like 100 years old, whenever it comes out, there's going to be a chapter called athletics or whatever. But I'm also really, really effing excited for what comes on the other side of it for when I do retire because it's what I do, what I'm doing right now as an athlete that is doing other things rather like, so from my creative, my creative endeavors, or who knows, maybe I'll be a movie director, you know, yeah. like when I'm done being an athlete. like, I'm currently applying all my, not all, but most of my attention to being an athlete is primary. But when that becomes, that's no longer my primary. I want to make sure that there, I've pursued other passions. So I'm not like now in a quarter life or midlife crisis, like, Oh, I'm not competing anymore. What do I have? No, I have all these, I have the whole world open to me. So, yeah, man, that, it's it's really good to keep me grounded because right now, if, if it's up to me, we just ran hills this morning, and I was only able to go about 50% because of my hamstring. But if if it was up to me, I <laughs> I could have probably went out there, went too hard, hurt myself, got even madder. But no, I was like, okay, you know what? I'm going to run these hills, come back, take my Epsom salt bath, get on this podcast, and I'm going to edit some videos. I have other things to look forward to as yeah. much as I love Yeah,
1: no, and that... I, I know exactly what you mean because, you know, I can, I you know work my ass off at work all day long and, and I love business and, and what I'm doing, you know, I've done it for long enough now that when I continue to do that over and over, like I enjoy it. But at the same time, man, it is mentally exhausting. It's super stressful. So it's like at the end of the day, I come home. If I don't do something else, like work on this podcast or, you know, I've been going through like some Udemy courses and learning stuff there or, or listening to an audiobook. If I don't do that, I just want to go to sleep and, and I can yeah. pass out and I can sleep literally from, you know, 8 p.m. until, you know, 6 a.m. or 5 a.m. And then, you know, go work out and do the whole thing the next day. but. And I would be tired, but if I yeah. stay up, I come home and I start working on something all of a sudden it's like 10 o'clock. I'm like, Oh shoot, I got to wrap this up. So I can go to bed and then I'm in bed by like midnight finally and wake up at four five o'clock, six o'clock. And I'm ready to go the next day. Like there it's crazy how it just gives you that much more energy.
0: Yeah, man. It, it's exactly it. I mean, it's your mind really. If, the, if, if like as I mentioned earlier, like, the mind is so powerful, Mm. so powerful, man. Like, and it can either, and I'm, I believe, what is OV, an OV quote, I believe the, I don't, I might be misquoting, but the mind can be a terrible master or a brilliant servant. Right. So it's, it's either one or the other. So it's like when you realize that yes, thoughts come up, yes, stress comes up, but it's how you identify with things that rules how you feel. You know what I mean? So when I realize that, hey, I'm a creative person, I choose to be a creative person, that gives me energy, that energy, energy is energy, it's going to translate to whatever I decide to pour it on, whether it's my creative endeavors, or it's rather me running down the runway to triple jump as far as I can.
1: Yeah, that's awesome, man. Uh, you know, I, I'm really excited to see what you do, you know, coming up, not, not only the, the content, the content that you come out with. Um, you know i'm i'm always checking looking to see what else you're bringing up so I'm excited to see what comes out there but dude I'm pumped too to see you know what you do this year and and then in tokyo I mean hell who knows i might just uh, buy a ticket and go out there to, to watch you jump man like uh you know I'm pumped for you I'm really excited so i wanna that number that you're not saying right now i, I want to be there when you said look I told you it would happen
0: <laughs> hey man yeah that's exactly it we can we can look back and reference this podcast, man.
1: Hell yeah, man. Well, I we could talk a little bit more offline. I mean, we could talk for this for days, but uh, you know, really appreciate you coming on here, man, and and really talking to me about this stuff. And um, you know, I uh wouldn't be surprised if we end up having you on here again after uh, you know, you hit the podium out there in Tokyo.
0: Hey man, I really appreciate that. Appreciate your time. Appreciate you thinking about me as well, man.
1: Of course, man. I mean you're one of the one of the best people I know and and you bust your ass all the time. You work hard and and it shows in what you've been able to to